Vous êtes les passagers d'un des ascenseurs les plus stupéfiants qui soient. Et vous allez faire le plus étrange voyage de votre vie. Votre destination, inconnue. Mais une chose est sûre. Une réservation a été faite en votre nom pour une durée prolongée. Dites adieu au monde réel. Car vous venez de pénétrer dans la quatrième dimension. Les tristes événements qui s'abattirent sur ce haut lieu d'Hollywood sont sur le point de se reproduire. Par une nuit d'orage il y a fort longtemps, cinq personnes passèrent les portes d'un ascenseur pour vivre un cauchemar. L'orage est maintenant de retour et les portes s'entrouvrent à nouveau. Mais cette fois-ci, elles s'ouvrent pour vous. dans un hôtel abandonné dans la partie sombre d'Hollywood, prenez bien soin de préciser combien de temps vous restez. Vous risquez de devenir des résidents permanents de la quatrième dimension. Welcome to episode 8 of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I'm Andrew Williamson and I'm joined by Simon West. Hello. Each magical Disneyland Paris podcast will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode we are discussing the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. We will also hand over to you, the listener, and discuss your views and opinions. Well, we're here again. It's taken us a while to get back in front of the microphone, but yes. I apologise for that. Yeah, well, we should apologise. I'm pretty sure in the last episode we said, oh yeah, we'll try and do one every month and... I think it's been four months since the last episode, but yeah. we're back. Treat, so treat them mean to keep them keen, that's what I say. This one, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's because we've, we've Tower of Terror, fantastic attraction. Uh, everything's fantastic, apart from Armageddon, but nonetheless, this <laughs> one's really good. It is. Um, we've, I have spent, personally, I've spent the last four months not in-depth research, but doing lots of different uh, bits of research, watching videos, uh, doing research on the internet, on Twitter, in books. Um, there's, an, there's an awful lot of content out there about Tower of Terror, and I think that just sort of uh, highlights how popular it is and how much of a fantastic attraction it is. Yeah, there is. Uh, one thing I have found, though, there's no, especially for Disneyland Paris, there's not a, a site dedicated to the Tower of Terror, unless I've missed it. Uh, when we've been doing research for Space Mountain, for example, there's a whole fan site dedicated to every Space Mountain, just the Disneyland Paris Space Mountain, with sound effects, with images, construction videos, all sorts of stuff. Same with Phantom Manor. Um, 
Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, so I mean, Tower of Terror at Paris, though, isn't actually a unique attraction, though, I suppose. Whereas something like Space Mountain, Phantom Manor, is is unique to Paris. Very uh, true. We have, the, we have the same one as Disney California Adventure. I couldn't really find much about that one either, but um, there we go. Let's move on. Uh, we always like to start off with a little bit of the brief history of an attraction. Um, so we're going to discuss the opening, well, the original opening date, uh, because the Walt Disney Studios Park in which the attraction is placed was opened in 2002, and the idea was that Tower of Terror would take place in the middle of the park a couple of years after opening as another thing to get people G'd up and another advertising feature for the park. It didn't happen, did it, Simon? No, no, it didn't. And uh, they, they left the space there, so you'd come out of Studio One, and then there was this big green space that was just, I mean, it's just effectively just grass, really, uh, sort of forward and to your left as you walked in. Um, and it was like that for years. And it just, I mean, the whole layout of the Walt Disney Studios Park is pretty wrong anyway, if we're quite frank. But to just have such an empty space as you've just walked into the park, such a big empty space, yeah. It was painful, but nonetheless, we have it now. And uh, of course, it came along with the Hollywood Boulevard, which is, I think, really good. Yeah, it looks nice. Uh, it makes some good photographs, opportunities as well. Um, going back to the space, obviously, when they designed the original Walt Disney Studios, it was planned that the Tower of Terror was going in that place. If that was the plan, just to leave a big open space and there was nothing going to go in it, then obviously that would have been a faux pas, but... The Imagineers did have a plan for the uh, Tower of Terror to go in that space. They had the plans drawn up, and um, the version in Disney California Adventure Park is the exact same design, and that actually ended up opening before the Disneyland Paris version, even though the Disneyland Paris version was thought of and planned initially first. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the Parisian resort didn't have enough money, basically, <laughs> which is, I mean, sort of the story of everything that happens in Paris. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I mean, that it, it should have been, and it sort of is now, the the premier attraction almost of the park. You walk in and there it is. You look, you know, across the Studios Park skyline and there it is. Um, but of course it wasn't there for, what, five years? But officially it was the project was greenlit in 2005, but plans and um, architectural drawings and stuff like that were started around 2004. But the um, the construction didn't actually start until 2006 yeah I mean uh, 2007 2008 was sort of a good time for the studios park because you ended up with the expansion of Crush's Coaster as well uh, so in that fairly short space of time given how long Disney usually take to do expansions there was quite a lot going on yeah, at that time, at that time of the decade, there was quite a lot. Uh, so the park opened, oh, not the park, the tower, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, officially opened on the twenty second of December in two thousand and seven. So that's a few years after the opening of the park, and a few years as well after it was planned that the Tower of Terror would actually open in that big gap. Is it just me that thinks that the twenty seventh of December is a strange day to open an attraction? Twenty second. Twenty second. All right. Okay. So it's like a Christmas present then. It was a Christmas present, yeah. Oh, lovely. Very belated Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I should have brought this a few years ago, but... Yeah, this is a present for Christmas. Counts. Yeah. The cost of the attraction, it actually apparently cost 2.25 times as much as Space Mountain did back in 1995. Now, I'm not sure if that's uh, in that in that era's money or that day, that year's money but uh, from £180 million for Tower it's of only, Terror it's only a decade I, you know, I, I 
don't know my 90s noughties economics particularly but i can't imagine inflation was that steep i can't imagine that though so it's 80 well it basically cost 100 million pound more Oh. 100 million euros more, sorry, than he did to uh, build Space Mountain. Apparently, that a lot of that money was down to the fact that French construction law, even though they had already built one in California, they had to use concrete and stuff rather than steel because of the construction law in France. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, we're quite strict on the continent, aren't we? Whereas, uh, obviously, the Americans are just, yeah, shove it up, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> Do what you like. Yeah, just shove it up. I think Although, in uh, Japan they have very strict uh, that sort of health and safety and building regulations as well. Uh, I know that for various attractions in the Japanese parks they've had to spend a lot more money than they would have liked to. So that's it's not too uncommon that sort of thing happening. No, it's just a shame that uh, it did cost. I don't know how much more it cost than the California version, but it must have been enough that it's mentioned in um, documents and on the websites and stuff. So it's a shame they couldn't have used if they could have built the exact same material, exact same design as the one in California, well, then yeah, surely I mean, they, would, they would have saved money and then they probably would have been able to invest that money somewhere else in the park. Yeah, I, I mean, it had to be delayed anyway because they didn't have the money, so the fact that it was just going to be even more expensive than one that's the same as it is, yeah, frustrating. But Definitely. I, it's not too much of a sort of worrying thing though i suppose you know we need to have good health and safety so we we, we shouldn't bemoan it too much and we have it now so it's all fine <laughs> it's fine apart from which we may come across later um parts of the facade yeah so apparently they didn't actually do a very good job of building it basically no so maybe they shouldn't have built it using <laughs> concrete maybe it is just the facade that's an issue yeah. um, uh, hopefully I mean, it is this is an interesting thing um because it's a building that they've built to look old, decrepit, like it's falling apart, and the facade is apparently, I've, I've never noticed this myself, but apparently it's genuinely falling apart. Um, I think I had read on Twitter last year that this year they were going to close the attraction, they were going to redo the facade, because apparently the contractors that they used uh, didn't do a very good job of it, um, and they were going to actually fix it, and uh, make sure that it was you know, probably weather tight and everything. Um, but that's not happened this year, so I would imagine it's Probably not too serious, but these things have to be done after a while, so I would imagine that's on the cards for the future. Oh, it must be in the plan somewhere. Um, a, a lot of the a lot of the sides and the back of the attraction, uh, again, this is different to the California version, because um, apparently you can't walk behind the Tower of Terror there. But um, at our Tower of Terror, Disneyland Paris, you can walk all the way around it, and there are nets and bits of material kind of pinned to the building basically stopping bits falling off if anything does fall off it kind of gets trapped in the net yeah i've never really understood why they have that path behind it because i don't i don't really feel like it's serving any particular purpose no i've used it a couple of times though if i've um, if i've been in one end of the park and i want to get round uh, I, mean, I, sp- I suppose if you're if you've come out of i don't know motor action and you really want to get onto studio tram tour quickly but other than that I don't know. It's just it's just always sort of struck me as a slightly useless path that's not very well themed either. So Simon West's idea is we shut the path, take the net down, let the building fall apart at the back. Yes, let's do that. Save money. Sensible planning from Simon. There we go. And then guest flow, just forget about it. <laughs> so the opening ceremony, as you said, was the 22nd of December 2007. Um I really, really enjoyed watching the opening ceremony again on YouTube. The uh, projection mapping which took place 
Oh dear. Yes, it's good. We've hit projection mapping again. <laughs> it's we only taken it. us about five minutes, Simon. <laughs> I'm surprised it took us that long. But yeah, the, um, the opening ceremony was all decked out 1920s style. We had lots of actors and characters, bellhops. We had uh, fans, uh, lovely ladies dressed up. Uh, we got men dressed up for the cars. Everything was all sorted out. The video I watched, you could see a big uh, crane with a camera on it. So it kind of spoiled the effect. But I bet you when you were there on the ground and you were looking up at this wonderful uh, Hollywood Tower Hotel, uh, it was wrapped in projection mapped wrapping paper then all of a sudden the ball was undone and it was all unraveled and there was uh, arms of zombies and monsters and all sorts of different spooky ghouls um, it was such a it was actually a really good uh, opening ceremony one of the what's actually it stands out from uh, stands out for me as one of the best because i know when ratatouille opened they had dancers and uh, like a live treatment for you with a hawk like a little uh, band playing the um, French Parisian music. Watching this one again, and I didn't watch it as it was happening because uh, I didn't really get into the Disneyland Paris community until after that. But um, the projection mapping effect on this Tower of Terror was absolutely fantastic. Well, uh, and of course, it's half a decade before we see Disney Dreams arrive on the scene. So it's, I mean, it's almost like a bit of a tester, isn't it? They've, you know, they've clearly worked out how to do this and. I suppose they probably did that and thought, "Wow, that was that was really spectacular. Let's let's do this on a bigger scale." Yeah, and it's something I want to discuss later on, but it's definitely something I feel they should bring back to that uh, Walt Disney Studios Park if they're going to leave, if they're going to have the park open longer for guests to uh, to savor the um, Place de Remy in uh, the night time because it looks amazing at night so maybe that's something they could look at later on uh, but if you haven't done so already i definitely recommend you check out the grand opening or the i think it's billed as the grand reopening of the hollywood tower hotel <laughs> because obviously the hotel was once open as the story goes the other thing about that of course is uh, you mentioned this this uh, you had all the actors decked out in the 1920s stuff there's a lot of fans and i'm sure we'll get to this later when we get to the listeners opinions there's a lot of fans that really think that the whole park needs to uh, take that 1920s theme on. Forget the whole you're on a movie set and just take the whole 1920s glitz, glamour, Hollywood theme and just roll with that properly. Now, um, would you would you have that in the whole park? Because I don't, I don't feel it would work in the whole of the Walt Disney Studios. Well, I mean, now that they've uh, started putting in sort of proper themed lands like Toy Story Playland, uh, Place de Rémy, that's it's not necessary there but certainly in the entrance area and then the bits near sort of animagique cinemagique probably also going towards uh rock and roller coaster and uh, lights motors action as well it would it would be nice to have some proper theming and 1920s you know it's been shown by the tower of terror that actually you know it's very glamorous it's very glitzy and it's it's enjoyable yeah definitely for those uh, entrance areas leading up to rock and roller coaster which probably will end up as a marvel area if the uh, plans go ahead i wouldn't be surprised so i would say that central area running round past uh, the hollywood tower hotel that would if all of that was themed very similar then that would that would look quite well look quite good the story then we say 1920s but the day on here is about 1940 but we'll uh, uh whoops what we'll, give or take a couple of decades it's fine the story goes, this is from the, this is from the uh, Disneyland Paris website, it says, On a stormy Halloween night in 1939, five unlucky souls disappeared from the Hollywood Tower Hotel's doomed elevator. 
classic stars of the silver screen sought rest and relaxation at the Hollywood Tower Hotel during the golden age of Hollywood. In 1939, during a gloomy Halloween night, four unfortunate hotel patrons and a bellhop were riding in the elevator when a violent storm struck the building and they were never seen again. Whatever became of them and wherever they may have gone has remained a mystery to this day. The hotel closed down that night and has remained abandoned ever since. I did realise it was meant to be on Halloween, that's news to me. Then it says the present day you're invited to take a tour of the Hollywood Tower Hotel and ride in one of the only working service elevators. Unless you realise that there's three different shafts, but that's a different story. On a stormy night, very similar to the evening when the unexplained event occurred. Be welcomed by Rod Serling as you journey to the fifth dimension. <laughs> as with any attraction at Disneyland worldwide, Disney parks worldwide, the Imagineers always come up with a great story. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's got to have a proper sort of back to it, and the Twilight Zone Tower of Terrors is absolutely one of the richest uh, across any Disney theme park. Yeah, just like from the moment, even like before you even stand anywhere near the queuing area, when you're just looking up, you kind of think, wow, this... Even if you don't know that story, and we've mentioned this over podcasts and many a podcast, if you don't even know what the story's supposed to be, you can look at it and make your own story, and they're probably all going to be very similar stories. It's a, It's an old Hollywood Tower Hotel, as it says on the building. So I wonder something spooky must have happened here. It's run, it's it's broken down. It's running. It's like run down, and you can your mind just starts going, doesn't it? It starts running away with you. Mm. And then if you are in the queuing area and you get inside and you go through all the different scenes, the theming is absolutely magical, and it does all link back to this story, and it just brings it all alive. Yeah. So our show building at Paris that we have, it's. The architectural style is Pueblo Deco, which is apparently a fusion of Pueblo Revival and Art Deco, which was popular in the 1920s. 1920s. I don't know anything about architecture, but yes, 1920s again. Um, I don't know anything about architecture, but I, I suppose that's you know that's your classic Hollywood theme. Uh, I do believe the original, uh, when they were originally designing this for Florida, they wanted to use the Pueblo Deco thing because it fits so well with. Uh, with the whole Hollywood theme. Uh, but they changed it because it's such a tall attraction that in Florida you could see it from the Epcot Park. So they changed uh, the style they used there uh, so that when you were stood in Epcot, it looked on the horizon like it was part of the Moroccan Pavilion at Epcot, which is quite interesting. But then, of course, ah. uh, the Disney California Adventure has the Pueblo Deco uh, architectural style just like Paris so it does actually have the architectural style that they wanted it to have now, I never knew that before about them uh, making it a, rock, a Moroccan design because it was kind of facing towards the Moroccan area of Epcot that's a good little fact there Simon well done oh thank you I, occasionally I, like, I come out with these things I like that information the building is 56 metres tall which doesn't seem too bad and then you talk about it in feet and it's 183 feet and that does sound a lot taller yeah it's, I mean, it's a height. mighty building on the skyline isn't it, it you're is. going to see that from wherever you are uh, when we come in by coach it's normally the first thing we see one of the first things anyway that we see um, and like you say when you're on the uh, panorama jeek that's you can see that it sticks out like a not a soft thumb sticks out like a beautiful thumb maybe a big toe <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know, it's a it's a chunky building. Uh, you know, it's not it's not something like the sort of beautifully ornate pink castle uh, that dominates the skyline of the other park. It's huge. 
But yeah, no, you're right. You know, it's a very, it's attractive and it's interesting as well. You look at it and there's something very intriguing. Now, one thing I haven't looked into, uh, just mentioned in there about how it's really chunky building compared to the uh, Sleeping Beauty's castle. We know the Sleeping Beauty's castle uses false perspective to make the building or the castle look taller. I'm not sure if the Hollywood Tower Hotel does that, and I don't think it needs to do that because it is so mm-hmm. big. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's actually got to be tall enough to have a drop ride at it. So, so yeah. I would yeah, imagine they probably don't, don't need to. But the other thing is that might stop false perspective. They have uh, the sides uh, at the top are slightly enlarged. There's an overhang. And I do believe that's so that they can fit the motors that power the elevators yes. uh, in there because they're so big. Now, if you've got huge motors to fit into the top of a building, I'm not sure you'd be able to pull off false perspective. That makes a lot of sense. You don't want to make it smaller at the top to make it look bigger and then make it come out the sides to fit in yeah. the motors. So that, yeah. I'll maybe have to go back to the plans and have a look. <laughs> but yeah, going through the scenes, we like to go through attractions scene by scene. Can we begin with the uh, the sort of... the uh, queue approach, yeah. so to speak. I haven't mentioned rather, the queue Rather area. than diving go straight on, into the lobby, because uh, I mean, one, one of the things that I really like uh, about... Tower of Terror is that when they built it, they they added in the whole Hollywood Boulevard, which has some some real sort of shops and buildings, and whatever. And then there's also got the perspective sets, which is lovely. Um, and of course, there's the wonderful stone uh, sign for the Hollywood Tower Hotel outside the building, which then every now and again, some little stars start to appear in it, and it's got the Twilight Zone written on there. Uh, and then of course. Uh, you go into the queue, and the, the first bit of the queue is not the most exciting. You queue outside, um, but nonetheless, it's it's one of the few really, really immersive bits uh, in the Walt Disney Studios park. That's not, you know, taken inside something like Ratatouille or whatever. You know, you're taken inside before everything starts to feel really immersive. But you're still outside, technically, um, when you're walking up to the attraction, when you start queuing, and the theming already is brilliant. Yeah, you can hear the, um, the the music, can't you? The background music while you're in the garden, just yes. queuing there, and it kind of starts adding to the effect. And it, the, the the queue for the Tower of Terror. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. And I've been when it's been a busy season and a quiet season. It never seems to take long. It doesn't feel like it's long. Maybe that's because I don't know because it's in a small, compact area. Even though you are winding up and down uh, for a couple of turns on the queue line, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem too long for me. I'll be honest, I've, whenever there's been a, a sort of a proper queue, I've always avoided it by fast passing it. I've <laughs> barely ever spent any time in the uh, the actual bit of the queue. But mind um, you, you know, even when you fast pass it, though, the it's always felt to me like the bulk of the queue was in the boiler room anyway, so I yeah. never really felt like you were skipping too much for queue. I have used a fast pass on the Tower of Terror a couple of times, but I do normally use the normal standby queue line. And that's one thing that doesn't annoy me, because I know, it, I know why it's there and I know why it happens, but you walk up to the entrance and you can just see people walking straight on. Yeah. You, just, you just want to follow them, but then you have to turn left and go down and round in the garden. <laughs> it does annoy me that bit. And the best fast, passes, uh, fast pass entrances for me are the ones where you can't really see them. You can see them joining on somewhere down the line once you've been in the queue and they're not really jumping all of the queue. But I don't know if with that one, you can, you're like kind of stuck there like sheep in a pen. And they're just walking right past. And they just wander straight through into the library. Which again, like, I, know that, I know that's what happens in all the other fast pass attractions, but it doesn't seem to be as in your face as that one does for some reason. Yeah, it's not. It's never nice to be reminded that you're queuing and other people aren't. 
Uh, Mind like, you, I suppose everyone's got the same opportunities to grab oh, yeah. fast yeah. so. isn't really, isn't really an issue. It's just kind of sometimes I remember thinking that. Little bugbear. Yeah. One thing, I can't remember what all the signs are on now, but when you're in the queue, again, outside in the garden area, you've got like little signs on the doors and you've got all the window frames and again, it, everything is set up so it is like you're inside that hotel's garden. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of detail is exquisite, even um, just there. And you can look up, and you're looking up at all of the building, and you can't even, unless you, like, break your neck and bend right back, you can't actually see the top of the tower while you're in that queue area. So that kind of, that makes it seem even more magnificent and more grand than it already is. And quite imposing as well. Oh, very imposing. So, can we go on to the scenes now? Oh, I think so, yeah, because yeah. uh, it really kicks off, doesn't it, once you enter into the lobby area. Yeah, once you're in the lobby area, um, it's the, well, it's not officially scene one, but it's the first area you get to once you're inside the actual attraction building. Because apparently the story says you're a part of a tour, this is where your tour starts. So Disneyland Paris website goes on to say, the one-time haunt of Tinseltown's rich and famous, which that was the tower, that's what the Hollywood Tower Hotel was, until a mysterious accident forced it to close. At the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, venture under the iron-wrought iron gates of the abandoned abode and step inside a dusty lobby seemingly frozen in time. Yeah, and- I mean, the... the- detail that they have in the lobby here is amazing all of the the cobwebs and everything all of the old suitcases and whatever there's umbrellas left uh, on the reception desk at the lobby everything's been exquisitely thought through and then of course you've got the actual architecture of you know sort of the building itself you've got these grand columns and some banners great chandeliers it's it's gorgeous now I all, about two minutes ago I just said I hated seeing people fast pass and go straight in and I hated waiting outside in the garden area even though it wasn't that long or it didn't feel as long but this is one queue or one part of a queue area in any attraction that I sometimes wish I was actually in there for a little bit longer well yeah I mean you, you sort of if you're in the standby queue at least you come into it you I think you sort of go up once or twice um, but actually realistically you're probably in there a couple of minutes that's it you're a very small amount of time I mean yeah. it's quite a large room but most of it's just taken up with items of theming really that so you, true, don't, you yeah. don't get a long time to enjoy it and then you're herded off into the library now I don't want them to change any of this but would it not have made sense to put some of the outside queue area into the spaces there? It would have taken away from the theming a little bit, or could they have made that downstairs uh, lobby area a little bit bigger so that there was room for that theming and more of the queue? Yeah, well, I, I possibly. I mean, I, I don't know whether that would sort of ruin the atmosphere if you, uh, possibly. If you ended up having sort of too many people, too much... I mean, a queue generally is a sort of... It's like a square or a rectangle with the rows in it. Um... You'd have to have quite a large sort of empty space just to have that. And then just with the theming around, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's quite nice anyway that you're only in there a small amount of time because it makes you want to go back. There's more to be seen. That is true. Uh, Another question I've got, obviously you don't know the answer to this, it's just a hypothetical question. (laughs) I know they sprayed a lot of the chandeliers and a lot of the bookcases and all the windows and stuff with the fake spider's webs. That's, a, that's remarkable, isn't the, it? The, the fake dust in a can, and the fake dust. Now I want to know: <laughs> does that is that initial dust out of the can still there, or is that original dust? I mean, sorry, is that new dust that's kind of just accumulated, or does do they have a cleaner that goes around to clean the real dust to add more fake dust? 
Well, I, I have also thought about this, actually, because, I mean, if if you did actually leave something for so long, then, you know, it would actually get sort of grimy and grotty, but that wouldn't look quite right for the whole spookiness of uh, of what Disney's trying to achieve there. So, I mean, it, it's possible that actually, yeah, they, they might clean it and then re-add all of the... Uh, the you know the cobwebs and the dust it's just always not bugged me but i've always just stood there and thought oh i wonder if somebody actually cleans this dust well they i mean they, <laughs> they want it to be perfect don't they they've thought about where it's perfectly the clear cobwebs dust. are going to be so you know if real spiders come along and start building their own spiders webs well that's that's going to get in the way of some good planning yeah it wasn't in the plan for that spider to do that so get rid of that clean that away <laughs> but don't touch that dust now, this is the first, well, apart from when you're outside the gates, um, queuing up or, well, going into the, uh, through the arch, into the fast track area or through down the uh, the garden outside, this is probably the first place you're probably going to interact, guaranteed, with a cast member dressed as a bellhop. Oh, um, the cast so members some, on this attraction are wonderful, aren't they? Yeah, sometimes they're outside. Uh, I've seen Goofy dressed up as a bellhop before trying to get people into the attraction. Uh, <laughs> but you're guaranteed in the uh, in the lobby area to have, um, the, if not one, a couple of bellhops in there. Now, I don't know if it's happened when you've been there, Simon, but a couple of times I've been, they've been on the phone. Now, I know most attractions have a phone so they can talk to people and say, well, there's there's 10,000 people queuing up inside here. Don't let anybody else in or we need more people in or whatever. But occasionally I've, I've heard cast members, obviously it was in French and a couple of times in English, but they've kind of been pretending that they're on the phone to guests or they're on the phone to, obviously it's supposed to be a tour, so maybe that doesn't follow the story, but they've been on the phone to somebody else trying to investigate the Tower, the tower Hollywood Tower of Terror. That's fascinating, I've never noticed that. Um, and again, they, they put on the spooky voice and they'll let... They'll let two people go past, then stop and inspect somebody and ask them questions, and then <laughs> let them go back in there really quickly. Uh, so it's a great way of playing with the, the guests and the cast members there. Very similar to Phantom Manor when I've seen um, some people outside of the Phantom Manor gates as well. That's probably one of the best uh, cast member areas if you love interacting with cast members. They are, they're wonderfully playful. It's always good to try and sort of death stare them down as they death stare <laughs> you and I can never do it. I always crack into a smile. So they that's Magical DLP's time. task of the month. Oh yeah, there you are, the challenge of this podcast. Challenge of the month. Stare down a cast member at the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror and make them crack first. And then get a selfie with them crying. <laughs> Why, because they've just been fired? No, because their eyes are like, they've been stared down so much that they've had to give in and then the, the, their eyes are all red <laughs> saw and they broken them yeah we've broken them although they shouldn't have broke they shouldn't be broken because they're kind of spooky anyway aren't they oh that's true yeah they're not dead are they no they're the people who still work there they're they're giving the tour because on all the promotional materials they're all very sort of pale faced and they look sort of zombie like to be honest so it's kind of are they they meant to be dead I don't know it's kind of contradicting itself in a way isn't it sometimes because we go down to the service elevator, which is fair enough, but then would they have to be wearing the bellhop gear to let us in the service elevator? No, but and, the bellhop gear looks pretty cool, doesn't it? It does, and I'm not arguing that fact at all, because I do love it all. But it just kind of, when you think about it, and then... You're right, it doesn't make sense. And then the, the official story on the Disneyland Paris website is that it's um, a tour, and they're giving us a guided tour of this Hollywood hotel. And, and they've decided would... to take you to the service elevator. Yeah. 
surely if, if I was going on a tour or if I was coming up with a tour I would maybe get a lift working or I would titivate the lift up so the boiler room and all that kind of stuff looked like it was part of a tour I don't know maybe I'm just nitpicking here and again if it was offering a tour I wouldn't be using half dead people to offer that tour no well I'm, <laughs> I completely agree but unless the tour, I wouldn't change any of it no no unless the tour is coming from people of half dead no but then we're supposed to die on the right I don't know it's confusing me now well you don't die on the right you disappear don't disappear, you disappear sorry yeah we'll get to that later sorry um, so yeah, the next official part of the scene or part of the building attraction is actually the holding area. Now this is the area, it's a really small area in between getting past the lobby area desk and before you enter into the library. Um, and I was amazed to actually find that it had an official name on the plans. I'm also surprised at that because I mean it's just a holding area. It's It's just the waiting, it's just more of the queue really isn't it before you get into into the library and it's still really part of the lobby but what an amazing holding area it is oh yes no again exquisitely themed with brilliant details uh, so as you you walk up you've got the library sort of straight on and then to your right straight ahead of you you've got this cabinet i think it's got like old perfumes and little statuettes in it again covered in dust and cobwebs um, you've also got two lift doors uh, fake lift doors that yes. were ob- which were obviously the li- the official lifts that this incident happened in, because obviously they won't have been using the service elevator. They would have used the guests would have used the, one of these lifts, um, and then the doors are kind of kind of crumpled open, aren't they? Kind of squashed together and all mangled. Yeah, it's never explained what happened, but it isn't. Uh, but again, gone down. you never read. There isn't loads in that little holding area, but there's enough there that if you're having to stand in that area for a few minutes, then there is enough to keep you occupied. But again, yeah, you, of course, though, if you're fast passing it, then you don't really go into that. You, uh, you, there's there's two libraries, um, and then the near side as you go in, I believe that's just used for fast pass. So you you don't actually go into the holding area; you just straight in. Hmm. I'm sure having not been on unless obviously they might fill it up with standby queue I suppose but I've been in the right hand side library and I haven't been on the fast pass interesting unless I'm uh, unless I'm making that up I can't remember but it seems to that seems to be what's in my head from my last journey there once you're in the libraries no matter how you get there I always find it fascinating that they ask you to stand on the carpet Mm. so they've got the uh, all the bookcases and the shelves of all the books all around the outside again a really well themed uh, library. I haven't had time to look at any of the books before the lights go off, but I can imagine that they have handpicked every single book and there'll be names of books and stuff that are related. Hopefully we'll be able to get some answers to that one day. Then you've got the TV in the corner. Now the, the cast member ask you, they always ask you in Phantom Manor as well, stand on the carpet. Now that when I first went on that attraction, I didn't think that was the lift. So I didn't expect that to go up and down as in the Tower of Terror drop, but I did expect something to move or somebody to walk around and tap me on the shoulder, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose they're probably just sort of wanting to stop people from leaning on the decorations at the side of the room, I'd imagine. I can imagine it's also because the cast member does do a little lap of the uh, the library just to check everybody's probably doing what they should be doing and there's nothing dodgy going on. So it's probably a health and safety reason as well as anything else. That's a good point. Um, but it's always been fascinating because they always say, on the carpet, please, but obviously in a French accent. Oh, that was nearly French. <laughs> but 
But yeah, this is where the lightning strikes, because obviously on the tour that we're doing, it's apparently a similar night to when it's a the dark uh, and stormy night. Dark stormy night. So lightning's flickering. You've got windows lighting up with the uh, the lightning outside, and then the television springs to life, and that's when we've got Rod Serling, who welcomes us. Very similar to an episode of The Twilight Zone. They've actually taken the uh, introduction from the video. For, it's actually from a real uh, television episode of The Twilight Zone. I've seen a couple of versions of the video that they use in the library and the video of that uh, TV s series. And it's only a really short section of the uh, television show that they've used, but they've done it really, really well. Yeah, so they wanted, they wanted to get rod sterling in um but by the time that they were designing uh, even the original uh tower of terror in florida rod sterling was dead um and obviously it's, it's quite difficult to get a dead actor to come and perform for you um so they yeah, effectively photoshopped him from an actual uh, twilight zone episode and then put him on a new background uh which was the maintenance service elevator and they have him talking and saying uh, tonight's episode is a little different uh, which he delivers in the actual show uh, but of course the next line that he delivers is behind me is a map of America whereas in this one he's saying behind me is a maintenance service elevator so they cut just as he says behind me blah 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 and then they just cut there because obviously he then says something completely different uh, but yeah. they've got a voice actor to uh, imitate his voice which is done terrifyingly well you couldn't tell the difference not if you and you wouldn't even have guessed it if you didn't know no it's uh yes it's yeah if terrifyingly you wanna, well if done if you want to watch the episode of the uh, twilight zone that it actually happened in that 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 was actually taken from it's uh, from episode 73 of the twilight zone which is it's a good life mm -hmm. uh, probably plug that, there yeah although we won't get any money for that so take it back <laughs> yeah, yeah this, don't watch it. You don't need to. This episode was first broadcast on the 3rd of November 1961, uh, which is almost 54 years ago. So Crikey. it's amazing amazing how they can uh, do that. So yeah, there's uh, you can find that on YouTube. Apparently as well, now um, kudos goes to uh, Cafe Fantasia for these two bits of information. The same piece of dialogue, now I listened to this before, and it was really weird, and I never noticed it before. The same piece of dialogue... Tonight's story is somewhat unique. That bit was used as the introduction to Michael Jackson's song, Threatened, which was released in 2001, apparently. Really? So if you uh, search for Threatened, Michael Jackson, watch the video for that. It's uh, got the uh, bit there by Rod Serling right at the beginning of that music video as well. It's really spooky. Mm. Yeah, every day is a school day. Learn something <laughs> new. Every day I'm shuffling. Um, <laughs> right, so once you've um, exited the library, once it's done all the little bits telling you the story of them getting in the lift and the lift dropping, kind of... Now, I've, I've heard it in English once, and apparently if you ask a cast member and there's enough English people in there and they're a nice cast member and they're happy to help, there is an English version and they will play the English version for you. Because I know, obviously, we're, at, we're in France... So obviously the French version comes first, um, but some of the European visitors who are going to the park, even if they're not English, they probably understand English more than they understand French. So for a, an attraction like that with a screen and a story, I know they have the English subtitles on there, but sometimes just to alternate between the English version and the French version wouldn't be too bad. So yeah, if you ask, apparently you can ask for the English version if if they're feeling happy. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a top tip. Speak to the cast members after you've stared them down yeah possibly not maybe speak to a different one <laughs> <laughs> what 
once you've left the library you're into scene four which is the transition hall um, so again, this is just mainly another corridor, which is again. Kind I'm, of... I'm surprised that this is categorised as a scene. It, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a little bit of queue, really. It's, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's in corridor. the corridor, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's on the just on the way to it, so it's just a little bit as you're walking out of the libraries, heading towards the boiler room, because that's what we go into next. That's scene five, the boiler room. So it says, from a secret passage, trudge into the shadowy confines of the dilapidated dilapidated boiler room home to rattling machinery and your vessel into the fifth dimension the service elevator ooh spooky <laughs> a boiler room's not supposed to be downstairs underneath in the cellar there might not be I, just... I haven't got a clue um, I wouldn't know anything about where to build a boiler room so obviously you go I don't know I would have the impression that the service elevator goes all the way down to the basement mhm mm um, uh, it's it's a you know it's just sort of a spooky room though isn't it you know as they say with all the rattling machinery there's little crates of things there's offices and yeah it's it's having all the metal and the the darkness the industrial lighting it's sort of it's slightly stuffy and a bit too warm it's all about the atmosphere isn't it making you feel uncomfortable it it works as well it certainly does it's great, and the, the fact that the um, obviously there's two levels of the boiler room, uh, for the, yes. the top level of the lifts and the bottom level of the lifts, and you can see through the grating in the stairs, and it, it's all open and industrial. So even though that's obviously just part of the queue line, they haven't just kind of thought, well, we'll put any old normal staircase in and leave the rest of the theme in to work on its magic. They've actually themed the staircase and the uh, walkways, so it kind of matches the theme of the boiler room. Yeah, definitely. Now, I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I've always felt that, I mean, say, as I said, I, I usually try and fast pass this attraction. Um, you you have the pre-show in the library, and you get all hyped up, it's all very exciting, and then you go out and you spend ages queuing in the boiler room that you're sort of, I, I just sort of feel like often the pace gets a bit lost, and you have all the hype, and then there's too much waiting after that. I almost feel like you should do more of the queuing before the library and then after the library you should be loaded onto the service elevator a lot faster you know as you said there's there's two floors in the boiler room there's quite a lot of queuing to do often and it can be very slow yeah it can or be or am i being really fussy um no i don't think you're being fussy i think i agree with what you're saying there the, the um, obviously the cast members are by the entrances to the elevators and when you get close you can see what they're doing and watch them having a laugh with the people and trying to scare them through the doors and disappearing and reappearing so when you get closer i don't think it's much of a problem but yeah if you're coming up the stairs for any reason again you've got the theming to look at but it can it does break up the attraction there from like you say being in the library area so it gets you started up and your, your adrenaline's pumping you come on come on especially if it's your first time on the attraction but i suppose once you've done it a few times before you know so i suppose it, for most people now even though it's really enjoyable still the library is just another part of the queue like you said that you walk in and wait in and then you move on so yeah, a lot of people... I, mean, I, I, I really like the library scene i, love I do the, like it i yeah. love the show and i i mean i really do love it because it you know, gets me all really hyped up the problem that I have is just then after getting hyped, having to wait quite so long. Whereas, say, Rock and Roller Coaster, you have the pre-show with Aerosmith. It's you know it's only short. You know, it's it, frankly it's nothing on the Twilight Zone's pre-show. But then you queue for uh, two minutes maybe, and yeah. then you're on the attraction. You, there's not too much waiting there. Whereas you go up and down the boiler room. And... 
just just always felt a bit long and broke the flow a little bit. Now, there's not really any need for any projection mapping in this area, but we haven't. No, I'm men- sure we could add some in. Though. We haven't mentioned it for a while. Should we mention it? I think we should. What could you do, projection mapping wise, then, to make to keep us interested anyway? Just us two <laughs> while we were in the queue. Yeah, in, in Simon. Well, so you've got like you've got the big, um, what is it like a boiler, or a condenser, or something that's sort of got a face on it. I mean, yeah, you could project and map some some the steam doors. coming out of the the vents or something. Could there be like some kind of shadows bouncing around? I don't know if the story's supposed to have any spooky things like that in there, but could well, there it's be... got dead bellhops, so go for it. Yeah, so it could, that's good. Even if it's just every now and then, so it, it's so fast that you're kind of looking around and say, did I just see something fly yeah. past me? There? I mean, in, in fairness to them, they do have things like that. Uh, if you notice the the lighting, it's sort of this industrial lighting, but it changes intensity and occasionally it'll flicker. So it's, you know, it's not constant. You'll be stood there and occasionally it'll get slightly darker and you'll go, ooh, that was noticeable. And then it'll rise back up. So, I mean, the, the atmosphere in there is, you know, it is alive, you know. It's not. It's not a static. Oh no! It's. It is. It is. Could it be interactive in somewhere? And I'm not talking about using any projection mapping in there. I know a lot of different queue areas now are being interactive. Now I don't mean putting in smartphones or anything like that. I would hate that to happen in there. But is, <laughs> Welcome could... to 1939. Here's <laughs> an iPad. But could there be any? Could there be anything in there? I don't know. Well, um, could in... there be things that you, I don't know? Could there be like a big um, spinning wheel that if you spin it? It like lets off some steam somewhere else, or if you, well, if you yeah, like, I definitely uh, the they've fire. done something very similar uh, in Thunder Mountain in I can't remember whether it's California or Florida. Um, so they've got the sort of the mining machinery, and as you say, you turn a thing or press a button, and then some steam will come out. I mean, that's definitely doable in in the boiler room of the Tower of Terror, isn't it? Yeah, so there we go. We'll have that one as our uh, idea, and uh, the Imagineers can pay us for that one. Um, Fork over so the catch. There's actually another loading area, well, not another loading area, but another small area, Scene 6. So they've actually designed Scene 6, the loading area, just in front of the lift entrance as this an actual scene. This I will sort scene. of accept as a scene, because although, fine, you're just sort of getting into the right position to be able to walk into the service elevator, you do have a wonderful little gauge that shows what floor the service elevator is at and if it's all you know synced up correctly which i don't think it always is um then it should count down and the little gauge should reach your floor and the doors open Uh, one thing that amazes me every time i go obviously we go with different students every time no matter who i'm taking on the the um attraction and even if they're not a part of our group they never understand how to queue or get into the correct number. They never understand how to get into the uh, the elevator. No, I think the cast members have to take quite an active role. Is it like you? You sit here. Yeah. You go so they that one. Yeah, because even if they'll say, right, go to row two. So obviously they all pile they pile onto that row. They're all they don't understand that because they're queuing one way on the queue, or on the uh, the uh, numbers, and then that they have to get in a different way. They're not actually standing where they're going to sit. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's, the numbers are lined that, up. It's nice and easy in something like Star Tours, where you just walk in in a straight line. Yeah, straight um, onto your right. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand that. I mean, Disney are trying to sort of make it easier. Oh, it's, uh, it's so very, that it's all nice and organised and fast, but it's very easy. actually, it's. Yeah, it's. it's it, it could be easier. Oh. Well, I mean, I've never quite understood why they necessarily have to have the 
uh, you know, the aisle in the middle. Like, you could have an aisle at the side, and then everyone just Very walks true. in in a row, and then you just, just go in a straight line, basically. But, Very true. I don't know, maybe that's... Again, maybe that could... that's not cool or something. No, it could be... For speed of evacuation, I would say that if the that's true, would the, take if, ages. If it's in the middle, everybody can just kind of funnel out into like a zip. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas on the side, but you don't to... need to leave because you end up in the fifth dimension. So. That's true. So you're destined to fail anyway, no matter yeah. what happens. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, this is another area where the cast members really come to life, and this is probably the last time you will see the bellhops. So when you're in the loading area, there's a tiny little door, like a service door, next to the service elevator. Yes. Which is obviously there because it's needed for not just the attraction. It's nothing to do with the theming, really. But they'll well, it's, it's just a connection to the corridor that's yeah. actually in between the service elevator door so, so they and sneak, the service elevator. They sneak through that door, and then they kind of, when the lift's down at the bottom, they open the doors, and they kind of go, boo, and everyone screams. And then sometimes they'll disappear through that door. You never see them again. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's always fun when the doors open, and then maybe there's not one of them there. Or maybe you see them sort of pulling the doors open, staring someone down. Yes. It's, they it's, play around with that. They, they, they look like they're having a great time. And it's fun when there's if there's somebody queued like lined up on the numbers ready to go in and they're looking the wrong way. Everybody else can see that the doors are open. No, they have no idea. And then there's a, when they turn around, there's a cast member just right in the face. <laughs> it's always mean, funny. But it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So I think next time we go, I'm going to have to pick the uh, most scared, well, the most scared student, put them right in front of the door. And just hope that I can distract him enough that when they turn around, there's a cast member right in their face. <laughs> Good teaching from Andrew Williamson. Hey, don't mention my name. <laughs> <laughs> secrets, secrets, secrets. So yeah, once you've sat in there, they give you a little spiel, don't they? They ask you to uh, tug on your belt buckle. They always make you, well, I, I always make my students look up because there's normally one of them sitting underneath the hole in the grate because there's a nice little um, mesh wire mesh ceiling which kind of encases the whole uh, lift or the whole ride vehicle. And there's, for some reason, in the two corners at the front, there's like a bit that's cut out. And then... That's for lighting, isn't it? There's a light up there. I'm not or sure. Or is it a speaker? It looks like, well, to me, it looks like there's a hole. And we'll have to look into this, but maybe you're mm. right. But it looks to me as if you could kind of just fall, like fly up. Because obviously I've seen a video on YouTube um, in one in America where there's a guy not wearing his seatbelt and he is airborne off his seat a good uh, 30 centimetres for a couple of seconds. Now, if something was to go wrong, obviously it's all made so it doesn't happen, but if something did, I always tell the students, anyway, you just fly out of that hole. You go <laughs> flying right up. We're going down, you're staying there and landing back on top of us. Speaking of flying things, I, I read this and I thought this was wonderful. Uh, when they were designing the original traction, they were uh, in Florida working out uh, how fast they wanted the elevator to go. Uh, and the story goes that apparently an Imagineer sat down in there with his shirt and tie on and he said, now I'm going to ride this and if my tie doesn't fly up and smack me in the face, it's not fast enough. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's good. Now, again, you might, know the, you might not know the answer to this and I might be making this up. Hit me with it. If the lift doesn't actually fall, does it? The lift is pulled down, isn't it? I think so, yeah, because... To make it go that I, I fast. Think, yeah, they couldn't get the acceleration or something. Uh, obviously, gravity is only so strong. So actually, yeah, to, to get the real feeling of you, you know, sort of jumping out of your seat when it starts falling, I, yeah, I think it is pulled. I think. That's what I'm I... I'm an engineer, though, I don't know. I'm that's a history what I student. as well. Well, it, it was built in the history of mankind, so 
part of your part of your area. Oh, you're right. I, be- I better start reading up then. And what we've just said was in your department as well, and that was, and that was, and, it, and so on. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I did get the twenties and forties wrong. Actually, this is this is not a good day for me. We'll uh, edit that bit out. It's fine. Oh, that's good. Thank you. So um, once you sat there and the uh, bell hoppers kind of went goodbye, see you on the other side, or whatever he says. It's different every single time. Um, the doors shut, and you move backwards, and the lights go dark, and that's when you start going up. Um, that's that. I, I, sorry, I just want to talk about the fact that you get in an elevator and move backwards. I mean, that's that's the bit for me that sort of. You know, you've gone through the whole creepy thing, and then you get in an elevator. If you don't know what's going to happen, you expect to go up or down. You do not expect to go forward or backwards. That just doesn't happen. So I love that it begins by, well, effectively, you know, you, all you can see is the door getting smaller in the distance as you back away from it. And I just love <laughs> that because it's it's such an alienating feeling when you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go up, and you don't. So we go to scene seven, which is probably the first official scene, if people were to describe the Hollywood Tower of Terror, uh, which is the looking glass. Uh, So as you ascend up to 13 floors, your elevator shudders to a halt and the doors creakily part. This is the official blurb. You can clearly see your reflection in the ornate mirror that sits across the hallway. But then, following a flash of lightning and some ghostly goings-on, your reflection eerily fades, leaving an elevator containing not one living soul. Have you been transported to another dimension? Not my favourite scene. The second, the next scene's my favourite, but it's a really good too. effect. It's a really good effect. It um, is. And how they achieve it is uh, actually remarkably complicated. You'd think it would just be sort of a, I don't know, some sort of... CGI superimposed projection or something, but it's not. They've got a whole dummy carriage uh, that rises and falls as your carriage gets into place. So it's yeah, it's it's a there's there's a lot going on in that scene uh, for such a I suppose a, a simple effect. Yeah, it did look well again. It looks very very simple, but as you say, with the dummy carriage and then the mirror and all the it's like the amount of money and the amount of time. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fake mirror, isn't it? It's, it's just sort of glass. Yeah, and yeah, then one way. there's thermal cameras uh, that then superimpose you and then get rid of you, revealing just, just the dummy elevator. But that is actually another elevator. Well, sort of. Doesn't it's really fake, go up. But... Doesn't go much. Doesn't go up and down that far. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it's, it's quite close to you, that scene. So it's it's kind of in the shaft of the elevator, and then you go on to scene eight, which is the haunted hallway. Now, surprising to me, the Disneyland Paris website, as as much information it's got about all these different areas and different scenes of the attraction, it doesn't mention anything about the haunted hallway. No, whereas this is my favourite scene. So yeah, it's, my favourite. Disappointing as well. that they've they've not said anything about it. So you've got basically this, well, it says in the title, I suppose, this is probably why they didn't need to describe it, but it's a really long hallway, and then you can see the uh, family looking around, walking up and down, and then the little girl turns around, and they start waving, and then that's when they disappear, and it all goes blah, 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 blah. But, <laughs> and then you've got the door, haven't you, that kind of spins around and comes towards you, and you've got the little twinkling of the lights and stuff like that. And yeah. that's, That is my favourite bit of the whole attraction, when all of the... Because first off, you get the, the lights in the hallway all start to flicker, and then gradually they all go off, and you're left in pitch black darkness. You can't see a thing, and then all of the little stars come up. And I love it because... 
you lose all sense of depth perception. You could be anywhere. You've got no idea. All you can see is just little stars. You could be in a void. You know, it's. I just I love that because it's it's such a feeling of Jesus. Where am I? Yeah, it's true. Because like if the second before that, you're looking down the hallway and. And then suddenly to, you're nowhere. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but it is actually a hallway in there. It, it doesn't. It's not a, a full-size hallway, but it kind of false perspective again. It yeah. kind of goes narrow. It gets narrower as it goes along, um, and to get the effect of the um, the people disappearing from the hallway that's there, which is a real hallway, it's a trick of the glass again. A trick of the eye, trick of the glass. There's another corridor which kind of goes off at a different at a 90 degree angle to the corridor that you're facing. And that's where there's the dummies or the, the, the projection, sorry, is projected onto the glass. And when you look at the scene, it looks as if they're in the corridor. So it's very similar to the scene um, in the Phantom Manor. The, the Pepper's the Ghost. The ballroom, yeah. yeah. Pepper's Ghost, that, that was it. We did, I remember that one because we didn't know what it was called at all as we were discussing in the podcast. And then, pe- then people were telling us on Twitter, like a day after, <laughs> it's Pepper's Ghost, you idiots. Well, we've got it now for, you know, the one that's not actually a Pepper's Ghost trick. So, yeah, it's a um, sim- very similar kind of effect. And it, again, it, it, you don't ever, you, well, you don't want to think about these kind of things when you're on the attraction. But I love all this geeky, techy stuff and how it works. And just, again, the amount of man hours and planning and, in like, time it must have taken to get this sorted this haunted hallway it's amazing there's the amount of space as well it must take up and again it's not the biggest and most um sorry it's not the longest scene in the attraction because the actual shaft going up and down is probably the main scene that goes up um but it's amazing it really is but then of course you drop now it says you free fall but we're probably guessing that you get dragged down to hell Probably, um, probably not a free fall. So the official website says, shriek in terror as your elevator free falls down the abandoned shaft and then expectedly changes direction and launches back up the hotel. Uh, this is when you gaze through a missing wall, 13 stories high, as the doors inexplicably open and reclose to reveal the hotel grounds. As if possessed by some unseen phantom, the lift plummets down and speeds upward over and over again, the sound of cable snapping and metal clanging overhead. Will you make it back to the real world, or will you become a permanent resident of the Twilight Zone? I would never... Well, I probably would have guessed this, actually. I'll, I'll say that again. The sounds that you hear when you're on the attraction, you don't think about it when you're on the attraction. You you do really do believe that that is the sound that elevator's making as it is dropping. But obviously they are adding extra elements of sound effects. So if you got cable snapping, you've got the whooshing, you've got clanking of metal. Now obviously they've also got the lights on the side. Yeah, of the, the lights flickering as well. Yeah, and going on and off. Yeah. But Obviously that doesn't have that wouldn't happen normally. If that if all I was taken away, it would still be an intense uh, feeling. But it must it definitely it would, it would, would lack, lack something. That same sort of bit of atmosphere. You know, it's, yeah. it's like having ambient music when you wander around the parks. You know, you don't notice it but your brain is registering it, it's processing it, and it's setting the scene, it's setting the mood. Despite all that, though, what I what I love about the drop sequence scene is that you've gone through the entire show of all, it's all very scary, and then it starts going up and down, and the whole carriage starts laughing, because actually there's something really, really, really funny about bouncing up and down. There is. I've got a, I've got a story about this, and I, I keep going back to my students again now, but... Uh, They're a good source of uh, stories, aren't they? they this are. is good. Uh, I won't mention names, 
if he listens to this, which I probably won't, he'll know who he is. And the rest <laughs> of the the rest of the school will know who he is as well, because I told everybody. Uh, <laughs> we were on the Tower of Terror. This student, um, even before we got on the queue, he was petrified, turning green at the thought of going on the Tower of Terror, because obviously he's heard of the stories about what it was like. But because he's, he's the kind of person that, even though he is really scared of it, he will just give anything a go. So he's probably braver than I am. Even because I, I enjoy the attraction, so I've no, I'm not really scared of any of the roller coasters, anything like that. So that kind of thrill ride doesn't bother me. But I'm probably not as brave as him, because he would, he's trying something that he knows he's really scared of. Uh, but anyway, we got to the uh, into the lift, and I kept saying to him, "Look, um, I'll tell you when we're going to drop, and you'll be fine. We're just going to go up, then we'll drop once." And honestly, we got up before, well, as soon as, like, as you were saying before, you didn't expect the lift um, to move backwards. Well, as soon as he started moving backwards, he was screaming. And this, was, this, was, this was before I went up anywhere. As we were shooting up the 13th floor, still looking glass scene, that was when he yelped, he, he, um, when the doors opened, he let out another big scream. Um, but the best part of all was when we were going up to the top of the tower, getting, um, when we were shooting right up to the top, I just uh, turned around, heard him screaming, and then I just heard a big slap, and he'd put his hand onto my knee. So instead of grabbing the uh, handlebars that are on the sides of you to kind of like keep you from coming out of your seat, this uh, 18-year-old student <laughs> had basically just put his hand on my knee, and it was there for the rest of the retraction. Oh, good teacher looking looking after the student well, I didn't, who was I didn't, terrified. I didn't invite him. <laughs> and I said after the end of it he was still holding on I was like what are you doing get your hand off my knee and obviously the, the rest of the um, the rest of the seat the rest of the people sitting in there were our students as well because we filled the whole elevator so oh, the whole of the hilarious. elevator was laughing their head off and I don't have, I have no idea if the cast member knew what was going on but um, he was laughing along with it and he had, obviously had no idea but anyway oh, it, it was probably funnier when you were there but yeah top of the tower it's amazing they, they, that's when they take the um the attraction picture as well for me that's probably the biggest thing that spoils the attraction what the, the picture. picture at the top yeah the view also i mean they say you get a lovely view of the hotel grounds well <laughs> disney village which hotel has that kind of view <laughs> but yeah i don't mind the view because you, you do get the impression well you know how high up you are you know how high you are yeah and it does for people who are scared of heights or for people who want to thrill you, you it does kind of bring it to life well i am really high i haven't just been moving up and down a little bit and i'm in a simulation but yeah, the, the flashing of the lights, I don't know, the, the piping and stuff that they've got at the front. I know they've tried to theme it, but I'm not sure I've ever seen a hotel that has piping like that. I know if the um, elevators burst out of the top or lightning struck it, then there will be some kind of damage in piping and stuff. But I don't know, it just looks too pretty. The piping looks too uniform because it's yeah. got the cameras in it and the flashes in it. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. But that's only me being picky on the theme inside. I know that most attract big attractions now, e-ticket attractions, have the uh, photography on the uh, attraction to make a bit of extra money. And people like enjoying oh, they, the People pictures. love getting uh, getting ride photos. So I'm not going to... I've got it, enough of them. <laughs> yeah. If it was going to be uh, a choice of what to put into Room 101, I wouldn't put that into Room 101. It would be okay. Oh, phew. I'm being nice. <laughs> Yeah, the, um, actually, officially on the plans, there wasn't a scene 10. So I have no idea if scene 10 was Twilight Zone. But um, 
Saint Town. I've moved it to Saint Town here. Officially, it was 11. It's the exit hall. So again, it's another little corridor on your way down. If you're upstairs, you walk down some stairs. It's really plain. But it is themed, but really plainly themed. And then I, you walk through the shop. Now, have you got anything you want to mention similarities between this and the version in America? Well, yeah, I, I do want to mention it because uh, the, well, the Floridian one is Floridian one, yeah, is quite, is really quite different. I mean, the Floridian one's the original. Um, for a start, uh, the, I, I think some of the scenes are in a different order. You don't get in and move backwards. You get in and you move up like an ordinary elevator. Um, I, I can't remember quite what the scenes are, but you have, um, I think it's the sort of haunted hallway scene. Uh, where you see all the you know the stuff going on with the people disappearing uh it then turns into the whole you know starry void thing and that's when you move forwards so you then move out of the elevator shaft through all these stars and you start going past these sort of doors and clocks contorting past you and you make your way into what is actually the drop shaft elevator and you move up and down and then all the drop sequences happen there and then once you then finish off um, you then land in a it's it's sort of like a room filled with twilight zone memorabilia and then the whole elevator sort of does a 90 degree turn to bring you back to the station which is a different place than you got on and then the elevator makes its way back to the service elevator gates Actually, what we haven't done is explain the tech of how the elevator systems actually work, actually, Andrew. And we should do that. Go on. Because uh, the reason why uh, they did away with... They call it the fifth dimension scene, I believe, where you leave the elevator shaft and you, you go forwards. The vehicles are, well, I suppose what we think is the elevator shaft vehicle. Um, it's actually autonomous guided vehicles, the little vehicles that sit on their own on little wheels and they drive themselves following little wires in the floor. They drive themselves into the elevator shaft and into bigger uh, you know, sort of capsule things to, to actually do the all the drop sequences. Um, and I believe, aside from space as well, the reason why they did away with the fifth dimension scene is because that system of following a little wire can get interrupted really, really, really easily. Uh, so you'll end up with situations where you'll have the elevator leaving the shaft and then it will just get stuck because, I don't know, somebody will be blocking the beam or something. Um, so it's a lot more reliable to just have the tiny little bit of backwards movement and forwards movement that we have in Paris than this uh, really much more grand scene where you make your way in between different elevator shafts. But nonetheless, that scene is really, really fantastic. I mean, me and you have both said that the haunted hallway is our favorite scene. Um, so to have that expanded by actually moving forwards into the fifth dimension, into the twilight zone, yeah, it's a real shame we don't have it. It is. It's probably one of the things, well, I haven't been to America yet, as you all know, but I'll be looking forward to when I do go, because I, I want to go there. Um, I want to feel what it's like to move into the fifth dimension rather than just be watching it um, i can other, imagine it does add a lot more to it the other thing that it means though is that you don't have that strange corridor uh where you you where you get into the surface elevator you don't have to walk through a corridor to then get into the elevator uh because there's two different stations one for loading one for unloading whereas of course in paris uh, and i believe the other Tower of Terrors and the Japanese equivalent. Um, you have to walk through this little corridor because the station's in the same place. They have to get people in and out. Ah, 
Interesting. That's why that's you know, that's obviously why they have the corridor. Now, if you want to um, be a cast member and uh, if you would like to take part in a simulation of the uh, Disney Hollywood Studios version of Tower of Terror, uh, you can if you visit themagical.nl forward slash simulations. So write that one down, Simon. Themagical.nl forward slash simulations. There is um, a Disney Hollywood Studios version simulator, uh, which gives you the lobby area, then gives you the holding area, gives you the, the library, one and two. And then you've got the free um, shafts for the, the elevators, and you can control using the simulator when the TVs go on, when the library door opens, when the lift leaves the station um it's really fascinating actually it's very simple but very addictive uh, there isn't a paris version of that actually when i've been looking at it again but there is other simulations on there for space mountain big thunder mountain um phantom manor so if you want to uh, try yourself as a cast member visit the magical.nl forward slash simulations again we're not we're spon- really good at plugging this evening we're not sponsored by them but give it a go give it a go it sounds like great fun now we doesn't seem like we've spent quite a lot of time speaking about the actual attraction as it is but we've kind of sped through it quite quickly because we've got again pages and pages and pages full of listener opinions um so what we're going to do is just quickly mention what the future may bring for this attraction what we would like to see and what possibly will be what happens to the attraction in the future so i'm going to start with what we could do with new scenes maybe so we've we said there we've got um the haunted hallway and the looking glass could we do anything to replace them would it be that now, I don't want to give you a spoiler for what Cafe Fantasia mentioned before, but I had the same ideas. But could we kind of replace some of the scenes or add more technology to some of the scenes? Maybe the uh, haunted hallway, making it different characters that are in there this time round? Or could it be that if it, is, if it is characters projected onto the bit of glass, which uh, makes it look like they're in the corridor, could we change the characters that are in there or make it so it's random, so that scenes are slightly different each time? Quite possibly, but then again, you have the you've got the pre-show as well, where you see those same characters get into the elevator, so they might get confusing. But the other thing, of course, is that I can't imagine most people would uh, notice if the people were different. True. So new scenes, we'll say no to that one. Uh, random <laughs> drops. I don't believe that the uh, drops are random at the Walt Disney no. uh, Studios. Is it Walt Disney World where yeah. they are? I think maybe at Disney California Adventure as well. So, uh, so wondering... they were they were initially all of them were completely pre-programmed like it is at Paris. But then uh, the Yanks decided that actually they could effectively put in loads of different drop sequences, and then the computer randomly chooses uh, what sequence to do. So in theory, every time you ride the attraction, you'll get a different drop sequence. Now, for somebody who's rode the attraction so many times. I think possibly it would be interesting to have that at Disneyland Paris uh, because... I mean, they've got the technology, you know, haven't they? I can't oh, imagine definitely. it's difficult to implement. It could be definitely something I would like to see there because when you get in there, you know that you're going to go up a few floors to the first scene and obviously that would stay the same probably and then you go up to the next scene, the Haunted Hallway. But then once that's happened, I can never remember how it happens but it always feels the same. It never feels... Because obviously it is the same. But I would like the feeling of not knowing when I'm going to go up and stay up for about five seconds. Wait a minute. Are we stuck? Then we're going to drop right down. and Or, you know what I mean? They could just play mind games with people a lot more if, if it was random. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe one of the things to do, actually, would be to alternate which from which 
scene you drop from. So say you could do the haunted hallway first, then go up, do the looking glass, and then drop. Just to sort of mix things up a bit so that you know you, you don't know what's coming. What's actually coming next. I, mean, I, suppose you, I suppose you could work it out because there's there's two scenes and if you do one of them first, you've got to drop after the next one. But nonetheless, that's, you know, that's it's, true. it's just a little tiny bit more variation. So it'd be interesting to see if that would be possible. Another future... Well, another thing we could do for the future, it's something I've mentioned before on Twitter and I think I've mentioned it on a podcast before. If not, um, doesn't matter, I'm going to mention it Is now. Is this going to have something to do with projection mapping, Andrew? Yes. Oh, yes. How did you see right through me? I just don't know. <laughs> uh, we've mentioned before that, well, there's no nighttime show or nighttime spectacular, as Disneyland Paris like to describe them as. So in Disneyland Park, we've got Disney Dreams, exclamation mark, and obviously we've got thousands of people that are queuing up hours before to get a good uh, vantage point. And again, when I go to the parks, I do, if I'm there for a few days, I'll do Disney Dreams a few times, but I don't do it every night because obviously... Even though it's amazing, I don't want to see the same thing every single evening. And I would love an excuse to stay in Walt Disney Studios a, a bit longer. Now, I know well, they've yeah. got play, Plaster Remy, which is probably making the park open a little bit later because it's a beautiful place at night time. But could they have the Tower of Terror turned into... I mean, no, they can do uh, projection mapping on the Tower of Terror because they've done it before for the grand opening. Could they turn that into some kind of nighttime show? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure they could. I I would be opposed to them having two parks and both of which had a nighttime spectacular that was based around projection mapping. That would it would feel a shame. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, as you say, the park is opening longer now with Plaster Remy. That's very beautiful at night with all the street lights and whatever. You can you know you can do the same with uh, Hollywood Boulevard or the lights on that. It would be fantastic to have some sort of I mean it could even just be an ambient thing you know it doesn't need to be be a a spectacular or specific show could just be that they project onto it and it's just something you could just sort of stand and watch for a couple of minutes you know or say like uh, during the day uh, the other park they have fountains going off at times that you know it's not scheduled or anything or at least it's not you know programmed you don't know when it's going to happen could just be that at night every now and again you get different things going on on the castle that just sort of Catch uh, going on in the Tower of Terror, sorry, that would just sort of catch your eye and you'd watch it. Because, I mean, you, you know, you, you want it to be a, a full all-day park, don't you, that has... You know, the Disneyland Park's amazing because you you get a, such a different experience riding the attractions at night than walking around at night than during the day. So, well, why not have the same thing at the Studios Park? If there were to do it and it was more of an attraction itself... Would you see people, if, if, for example, Disney Dreams was alternate nights? Because I know it's quite expensive to run it, and they keep saying it's only scheduled until this date, then they keep adding more dates, and they keep saying it's now scheduled for another year and another year, and obviously it's going to keep happening for a good few years yet. Could they get away? Would the fans, would the guests be happy if they say, right, it's every other night? and then we're going to make something happen in the other park to get attract people to that park, maybe? I mean, it would, it would need to be something very special. Um, I mean, the other thing is that, according to guest statistics, the Disneyland Park is the most visited park in Europe by quite a considerable margin, uh, and yet the Walt Disney Studios Park is fourth most visited, um, even though they're right next door to each other. Uh, so... I, I, I would imagine people, you know, they're 
they want to stay in the Disneyland park, really. Um, and they need to do something very special to equal Disney dreams. You know, it would have to be something equally as expensive or whatever. Um, well, I, it, 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 it would be a hassle to have to go, oh, let's watch some nighttime entertainment tonight. Oh, dear, we've got to go into the other park. It's not far, but very it, would, true. it would be annoying. It would be nice to have both happening simultaneously. I mean, say, you know, the parks in Florida, you don't get reflections of Earth happening in Epcot on a different night that... You know the fireworks are going off at the castle in the Magic Kingdom. You know it's it all happens simultaneously. I suppose because of the distances involved between the parks in America and Florida. Yeah, that is slightly different. I'll accept that. But nonetheless, you know you you want both parks to to be in their own right all day parks with something happening all of the time. So there's the second challenge of this podcast. Walt Disney Imagineers, we challenge you to make Walt Disney Studios an all day park and have a night time doesn't have to be on the Tower of Terror we'll leave that bit out there for you to decide you need to make something that will attract us into that park all day and something has to happen to keep us there I mean if you want to build Fantasmic we'd be fine with that put that in we'll have that is there anything else you want to add to the future because obviously these are things that we would like and these are just ideas from our own heads is there anything um, that you feel like what, what do you think actually will happen to the tower of terror from well, I mean, this it, day forward it's it's quite possible that they could do some sort of projection mapping thing being that they've done it uh, in the past and the park is opening later so yeah, it, it's just a limb chance that they do it but it could happen uh, what's much more likely is uh, as we said at the start of this podcast that they're going to need to redo the facade and unfortunately I think well that will mean closing the attraction for quite a while uh, I don't know whether they'll leave that till after 2017 because obviously there's going to be a lot of attractions being closed um, but certainly if the facade is falling apart now it's only a matter of when when they actually do it and fix now, it if it's the facade and say for example it is around the back and the sides would they need to actually close the attraction seeing as though it's only the outside of the building that's causing any issues well, if they're going to be doing sort of construction-y things, then, yeah, probably, because you don't want to have, you know, banging going on or whatever when you're meant to be immersed in the Twilight Zone. I think also they just they don't like to have, you know, people working anywhere near That's you know, true, yeah. an operating attraction. Even, even if it is only on the outside, I, I can't imagine that they'd allow work to be going on on the show building with the with the attraction still still in operation now i'm only joking here but they could if there's creaks and groans and bangs and taps in the attraction so anywhere could they not just program the uh, the workmen so that they can only go on a beep when they hear it in the <laughs> so every time they hear a beep they can bang the hammer and it's synced up with the attraction <laughs> now we know there's issues with them syncing up um ride music on space mountain for example or uh, rock and roller coaster so maybe syncing up that wouldn't work but um no i, I see you right there they wouldn't want to have people working on the building and have people in the attraction it's but it's probably easier just to shut the whole thing down everything in that area when they need to i mean that just... one would be a real shame to have closed because i mean we're, we're moaning right now about things like you know it's a small world uh having loads of scaffolding around it that's a huge building to put scaffolding around it and is you're going to need to put scaffolding around it if you're going to fix the facade Again, I've said this on Twitter a few times, it's not really related to the Tower of Terror, but if it was to uh, get some work on the outside, it would come, it would be part of it then. It's a Small World currently has the white sheeting up on in front of the scaffolding. And I know from when they done the exact same um, work on the 
space, oh, space Mountain, when they've done the exact same work on It's a Small World over in America, in Florida, and in California, I think, they had um, a printed canvas, so it was the attraction that it was going to look like on the on it, or the previous yeah. attraction. Well, now, I don't, so, Disneyland Paris doesn't seem to do that. They did it with they, oh, was one of the restaurants in Frontierland, yeah, yeah, and some of the buildings on Main Street, they, they, have, Main Street, they yeah. have those four. But then, um, for, I've but, seen recently, <laughs> I know, maybe it's because they're running out of scaff- well, scaffolding and white sheet and green fencing, because... And even and it has to be done. All this refurbishment must be done now. It's looking beautiful. The stuff that's been reopened. Yeah. But when you've got um, big Thunder Mountain closing, remarkably expensive though as well to get all those know, prints you, done. And I, well, that's what I was about to say. If you you can't uh, physically wrap the whole of uh, Tower of Terror in a printed uh, Tower of Terror building canvas. Well, I mean, if, if you it's can possible, if but... you could do it for It's a Small World, if you could do it for a restaurant in Frontierland, I think you probably could. It's possible, but would they do it with the money it would cost? No, I, I can't imagine they would. If they can't be bothered for It's a Small World, well, I say if they can't be bothered, if they can't afford it or it's not possible for It's a Small World, then I, I wouldn't imagine they'd do it for Tower of Terror, no it... matter how large Tower of Terror is and how central it is. Now, it does make a difference, though, if you see the big white sheet in front of you it sticks out like a sore thumb but if you see something that's printed it's not as bad I remember yeah. going I you can remember. sort of eat it doesn't strike you so if, much if, no, it doesn't if you're scanning your around if you're scanning around it doesn't kind of just stick in your eye sight it kind of just passes you by we went, a big white blob does one year we went and the uh, Sleeping Beauty castle the lower half of the castle was getting some work done and again that was it wasn't even canvas I don't think it was like wooden boards that were printed like, painted or printed on with the bottom of the castle now from a from a distance on the top of main street you couldn't tell at all it was only when you got close up that you could tell that there were these boards at the at the foot of the uh, castle but it didn't spoil it at all but if they were big white boards it would have completely spoiled it from the moment that you walked into the park so if they do work on the tower of terror and that obviously will have to wrap it for health and safety reasons to stop it falling off and hitting people and whatever I don't know, they're going to have to do something to distract or did, uh, attract your attention to something else when you walk into the park. And good luck to them working out how to do that. That's a third challenge. Well done. Yeah, we've spoke a lot now about the history, the current scenes and the future. It's now time to see what you, the listener, believes and your opinions and thoughts. As usual, we've got a great email from Cafe Fantasia. What he says is, uh, what I like about the Tower of Terror is that it feels very personal. On Pirates of the Caribbean, you're essentially an observer passing by on the never-ending conveyor belt, watching things from a distance. But on the Tower of Terror, you're a participant. You're the focus of the action, the protagonist, and everything is happening to you. Something else I liked about the Tower of Terror is the big reaction it gets from you and the other guests in your vehicle. Boarding the elevator, everyone is caught up in the story and excited to be there. And then during the rides, everyone's screaming and laughing, clapping by the end of it. The Tower of Terror is quite possibly my favourite attraction at Disneyland Paris, so given the choice, I don't think that I'd change it. That said, I thought a couple of ideas to widen its appeal and to improve its repeatability. One limitation of the Tower of Terror is that the fact that not everyone can ride it. In addition to the 1.02 metre minimum height requirement for kids, a lot of adults shy away from it because it's simply too intimidating. Well, what if there was no height requirement? And what if it was so tame that all adults would ride it? This is technically possible, 
while keeping the existing version of the attraction. Given that the Shaw building contained three identical attractions side by side, what if one of the elevator shafts was used to offer a lower intensity experience? Over at Epcot, they already do something similar where Mission Space has a green team whereby the centrifuge doesn't actually spin. The beauty of Star Tours The Adventure Continues is that it has 54 possible different experiences. It has 54 possible different experiences due to a pool of 11 scenes which are chosen from at random. Obviously the Tower of Terror in Florida has randomised drops so that's already been done. But what if it had randomised scenes? What if it had more than the existing two show scenes? What if these were implemented via projection mapping onto blank sets, for example a white corridor and changes in audio? Quite a lot to think about there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I really like that suggestion because it has projection mapping in it. <laughs> that, that stood out for me so as that's, well. So that's, that's pleased me. Um, it's an interesting idea, actually, um, that Cafe Fantasia makes uh, about having one of the elevator shafts giving a much tamer ride experience. Now, I personally don't think that it's actually the intensity of the ride that, you know, really puts people off. I think it's just, it's the whole... Uh, the you know the scariness of the theming and they can they can see how tall it is so I'm I'm not sure that actually having a tamer one would would necessarily pull more people into it but you know yeah there's as he says there's there's three elevator shafts so you could certainly do it um, oh. it's an interesting comparison to Mission Space uh, now if anyone doesn't know Mission Space is an attraction at Epcot or it's literally just a centrifuge um, and then there are some screens that you're meant to like press buttons on or something while you're spinning in a centrifuge um now i don't know why they built this attraction because a centrifuge is a really horrible nauseating experience um so i don't know might be slightly unfair comparison to liken tower of terror to mission space because i, I don't think tower of terror is is that sort of thrilling I, I i don't think that's quite the problem i think it's more just how imposing the whole building and theming and story is but I don't yeah, know, oh, you, it's, it's definitely an interesting suggestion because you've got three elevator shafts, why not mix it up a bit? A lot of guests, though, especially if they're speaking to people who have been on the attraction, they'll have been told, look, it's a drop. You're dropped. They'll have seen videos, you're getting dropped from the top right to the bottom. And I think the fear of dropping that so fast would probably put most people off. I suppose the height and the theming as well. So maybe what Cafe Fantasia's thinking is if even if they don't kind of drop up and down really fast, even if they completely didn't do a drop or it was just slowly I know it completely spoils the story and the whole idea but even if it was dropping so slowly that you don't even feel it you're getting dropped down as such maybe maybe that would I think bring more people to the attraction but then again it would completely spoil it so if I had to choose between having a tamer ride um, vehicle in one of the shafts I probably would just say no to that I would basically I know it's going <laughs> to upset a few people and it's probably not politically correct, but man up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't well, like it, then it's not the attraction for you. There's a lot of people that don't do roller yeah. coasters. A lot of people, in my opinion, they are missing out on a lot of the great theming, but that isn't what Disneyland Paris is about. Disney is not it's, about... It's got to be for everyone, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, it's it's got to have different... the attractions that cater to, to people who want more thrill. But then yeah. again, I suppose you could say, well, some people want less thrill. Why don't you have an elevator for them? True. 
but then they can write something else like the it, it loses take-up. its mysticism doesn't it if you have a, a sort of a weak version you know it's like uh when you grow up going to a theme park and there's a really big roller coaster with a you know, height limit or something that you're too small to go on and then when you finally get old enough and tall enough to go on this big scary roller coaster you know it means all that much more because you know it's so scary whereas if there was a you know a littler version of it you yeah know, the exact same yeah you know it's just not a different scale yeah <laughs> next email do you want to take this one yep certainly can do uh, so this is from ben phelps he says love the podcast by the way it's great to have another english speaking podcast i love your format thank you uh, tower of terror is one of my favorite attractions for me i feel i'm entering the attraction when i've crossed over the horrible square outside studio one and you enter the themed area with the hotel towering over you let's face it even if you hate the ride you have to love the theming luckily i love the ride my wife does not though a funny story when i took my wife to disney i had to lie and say that the screaming was pumped out from hidden speakers and that the people you could see when the elevator doors opened were actually just dummies because inside the elevators didn't move the walls did uh, safe to say i had to buy her lots of disney merchandise to make up for that lie afterwards uh, the tower is one of disney imagineering's triumphs as it is a great thrill ride uh, helping the disney isn't just a kids line a theming masterpiece uh, showing disney at its greatest and a great weenie arguably the biggest draw to the studio's park that most normal guests will have in my opinion the ride's only drawbacks that the narration once in the ride uh, is only often in french meaning that non-french speakers are unable to truly experience the ride and its story. However, uh, the overall Tower of Terror, it was a much needed addition to the second park uh, that's not disappointed. Since it opened, it's hardly been interrupted and had hardly any closed days, making it a mechanical masterpiece also. It's a ride that has amazed thousands of people for all the right reasons and will continue to do so for many years to come. I love the story that he told Dad about his wife. That's brilliant. That's uh, that's not a, like a moral that we should be condoning, though. Don't no. lie to your partners. No. And sadly, my wife um, loves the Tower of Terror, um, so I wouldn't be able to try it on her. But oh. I, I don't want to tell people that it's another challenge to try it on your wife, but um, or your partner. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't. But um, yeah, the fact that he had to tell his uh, wife that there was uh, hidden speakers pumping screams out, and well, I, don't know. I, I suppose actually this this you know really fits into Cafe Fantasia. Cafe Fantasia's idea about having a tame elevator because I would imagine Ben's wife would have been much more keen to go on it if there was a tame version. Here's an interesting point though, uh, because he opens up by saying that uh, you enter the attraction having crossed over the horrible square outside Studio One. I don't mind, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I, I used to not like it, but I think now that it's got the Hollywood perspective sets, I'm I'm quite keen on it. But then again, I because it's got the sort of the partner's statue and whatever. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting point actually, because I mean, a lot of a lot of people moan that uh, Walt Disney Studios Park isn't isn't laid out properly, or you know, doesn't have a proper sort of real theme to it. You know, you look in one direction and it's a completely different theme to if you're looking in the other direction. So. You've yes, just, you've just, sorry, you've just uh, said one direction. If we could uh, add that Twitter handle to our uh, post, we'll get a few, <laughs> we'll get a few hundred thousand extra visitors. So yeah, they're, if, go- they're gone now, Andrew. That still, the, the fans are still out there crying. So we'll, if we mention, if we put we'll, that in the hashtag, we'll bring them in in open arms. Hashtag One Direction, and then we'll. Uh, <laughs> Add that to the rest of it. We get more oh, viewers. I, that I way. don't want to be in a podcast that's being hashtagged with One Direction. No, I don't either. We'll, I, uh, feel, I feel like my life has sunk now. <laughs> we'll scrap that. 
<laughs> yeah, he mentions there about it being a great weenie, and it does grab your attention, like the castle does when you're walking into Disneyland Park uh, underneath the hotel once you've got past the uh, railway uh, station there. It is such a, to, by the way, it says they're a theming masterpiece, and it does just draw your attention straight away. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I, I personally quite like uh, having Studio One uh, as a sort of inside area that you walk through because then when you come out of Studio One, you then, it suddenly all opens up at once. It's not a sort of, you know, a, a, something that you've seen in the distance and you've spent ages walking towards like the castle. You know, yeah. you just, you emerge out and immediately it's there. And I find that really quite exciting. Yeah, and also, of course, coming from the darkness of Studio One and then it's suddenly it's bright outside and there's the Hollywood set and the big looming Tower of Terror. I really like that. I think it, it is the same as um, walking under the Disneyland Railroad, isn't it? When you, you walk under there, you're still in, you've went through the gate, you still haven't seen what's magical about Disneyland Paris. So obviously you've got all the lovely buildings, the hotel, the railroad, that is magical. But it's once you've came out from underneath, um, when you're in spring, it's a big flower, but um, if you're in Halloween, it's lots of ghosts. Once you've walked underneath there, and you see that giant weenie, as it's um, known as, the castle, I think you're right there. It's good to hide it and keep you guessing what's happening on the other side. So Studio One for me is great. Obviously, uh, I know it's um, a food hall mainly, and there's a few shops in there. So maybe if they were to to make that better, they could maybe rip out the food court and put something else in there. I don't know, some kind of show area maybe. Um, that would probably make it even better. But it it does its job. Um, who have we got next? We've got Luke. Uh, NIDLP Geek on Twitter. Uh, this is another 10 pager, so I'll uh, have a deep breath. <laughs> While many may now look towards Ratatouille as the best Walt Disney Studios park has to offer, uh, for me, nothing even comes close to the incredibly famed atmospheric and thrilling experience on Tower of Terror. That will quite literally have you off your seat. I'm sure Andrew and Simon have went into extraordinary detail, as always, about how uh, Tower of Terror has arguably one of the best themed queues in the Disney park, but also a tremendously fun ride system wrapped around a fantastic story centred around a truly classic science fiction TV series. When Tower of Terror first opened its doors in late 2007, many fans dubbed it Walt Disney Studios Space Mountain, in the sense that it will be the driving force e-ticket that saves the park just like Space Mountain did with the Disneyland Park. Although the last eight years hasn't seen a full renovation of the park like we may have hoped or expected, I think it's not coincidental that the tower's success was then followed by major expansions to Walt Disney Studios in the form of Toy Story Playland and the previously mentioned Ratatouille. The fact that Tower of Terror to this day is still used in DLP marketing and general graphics show how important of an attraction it truly is to the park. Although Phantom Manor will always have a very special place in my heart as my number one attraction, there is no denying no other attractions will ever have such a sentimental impact on me quite like how Tower of Terror did. Now this is that this story that he's going on to tell now is quite personal and it tells us how we got involved in Disneyland Paris. The announcement and groundbreaking of the Tower of Terror in 2005-2006 uh, came at a perfect time as uh, it was just when I discovered the online Disneyland Paris community. Through several forums and fan sites, I remember watching the construction process daily up until its completion in 2007. This excitement of a brand new attraction, both huge in physical, physical size and importance, was my driving force in coming back for more, wanting to see what more had been built and when we'd finally start to see marketing for Tower of Terror. 
I fondly remember discussing on all the message boards the very subtle exterior differences between our tower and Anaheim's, as well as our very unique fan contest DLP held, which invited you to create your own TV or radio advertisement for the upcoming attraction. This in turn obviously made me incredibly excited to experience the tower for the first time in July of 2008. Despite all of this hype I had put myself through for years, I am very pleased to say, seven years on, it surpassed all of my expectations. As the on-ride photo I own of the faithful first ride nicely shows, the community-wide buzz of the Tower of Terror brought is... Wait a minute. The community-wide buzz the Tower of Terror brought is what gave me my love for the DLP online community and pushed me to keep posting, talking, and eventually expand to other social media. Indeed, I feel I owe the tower a huge thank you, as without it, my Twitter, my blog, and this very email I'm writing may not have existed. It just shows there, Simon, that um, it is big attractions like this being built that kind of bring people on board. Now, my, I myself got into Disneyland Paris from going there, obviously I've said this a few times now, with uh, the sixth form and running it as a trip for my students. But... It's big things like this that keep people interested. When I first got really into it, Ratatouille was on the horizon and there was plans for that. And I was updating my um, self all the time by looking at Twitter feed, listening to podcasts, visiting websites. And it's very similar there for uh, NIDLP gig. He, um, the Tower of Terror is what started his passion for keeping a check on Disneyland Paris. Um, is there anything similar for you or is it because you went when you were younger? Um, well, no, I, I've been visiting since I was very, very young. I, I can't think of any sort of one particular attraction that really got me into it. But, I mean, I also uh, ended up joining the DLP fan community while uh, Ratatouille was sort of being announced and the building process was beginning. So, yeah, I, I suppose it, it, it's always really nice to have something new to look forward to and I mean obviously at the minute we have that in the different refurbishments happening you know each of them sort of initially they looked a little bit sort of shaky as to how good quality the refurbishment was going to be and now we've had Space Mountain reopen and it's got some I mean it's looking fantastic so yeah I mean these big attractions like Tower of Terror um, you know the anticipation of all of them it's a a very very powerful thing Do you feel though that the um the recent uh, refurbishments I, I don't feel that they would bring in people such as building a really big tower of terror and building a really good version of Ratatouille that's no. kind of not gonna if somebody's looking for something to grab their attention and follow it passionately I don't think that's gonna grab it no in the same honest, way. I, I don't think Ratatouille is either to be perfectly honest, I think you know the the really good ones to sell are the the very visual things like Tower of Terror, and you can say, look, this is a drop tower, or you can build a roller coaster like Thunder Mountain, and you can say, look, this is a roller coaster, it's fun. Um, whereas, of course, you know, a dark ride, you know, you can't show too much of the dark ride because that would be giving it away, and you know, True. it's, it's I can not imagine. too big. And then the refurbishments as well. Yeah, it's it's not something entirely new, is it? You know, there are some nice changes, yes, definitely. But it's expensive to go to Disneyland Paris, and if you've been before, you want something big. Mind you, I wrote a whole article on saying why shows are the perfect thing to solve this problem. <laughs> take a plug there. take a read of it. Take a read of it. Luke goes on to say, as we look beyond the fourth dimension and to the Tower of Terror's future, I feel there's only one direction, hashtag, DLP can go (laughs) and should go. Put the tower in control. In both DCA and 
WDW to celebrate each of the respective towers' 10th birthdays. Random drop sequences were added, meaning that they were no longer following a sequential drop pattern that can be remembered after several rides. Dubbed the tower is in control, I think this should be given for Disneyland Paris as not only is its version of the classic attraction approaching the big 1-0, but the technology had already existed and been implemented for the past 11 years. While not strictly Tower of Terror related, I feel the expanding area of Hollywood Boulevard, which opened with Tower of Terror's opening, is something that can and should be greatly enhanced. The current system of real empty buildings and facades sends a very confusing message of whether we're supposed to be in the actual 1950s Hollywood or just a film set of it. I feel the former theme is the one that has to be used when looking forward with fully themed interiors for era accurate shops, turning Hollywood Boulevard into WDS's or Walt Disney Studios' answer to Main Street. This with Tower of Terror as a centrepiece could really help Walt Disney Studios get over its major identity crisis and cement its place as a Disney park you actually want to be in. I like I that mean, idea. It, yeah, so do I. However, real shops. I personally really like when you walk down and everything looks perfect, you don't really realise it's a perspective set, you know, you see the, the real buildings, uh, but then I love the point when you get sort of near to Studio Tram Tour and you suddenly realise you walk past, you know, a certain point and then, oh, hang on, that's a perspective set. That's only two dimensional. I love that. And I mean, obviously, you know, it is a studio's park. So to show off, you know, how good, I suppose, the sort of the moving magic of the perspective sets is, I really like that. I think it's a fantastic. I mean, I suppose it's a sort of a quirk and a novelty, but I really like that. Um, but then again, it probably... But Luke is right. It probably would be better to just actually go to town on the whole Hollywood theming and do a proper job of it rather than sort of a, I don't want to say it, but it is sort of half-assed with the uh, with the studio theming. Now, I've, I've heard somewhere that it's not officially been mentioned, but unofficially the Imagineers have kind of said that none of the studios, Walt Disney Studios or uh, Hollywood Studios, they are not supposed to be what a working studios would be like anymore because originally yeah, originally, originally was... with the idea yeah it was meant to be like a you're visiting a working studio whereas now they're instead of showing how the magic is made they're taking you into the magic of the franchises like you know the pixar things or indeed old long forgotten television shows like the twilight zone or films like armageddon yes i mean that's the film i really wanted to be in <laughs> and it's so exciting to be there can you believe it? I actually Sky Plus Armageddon the film on uh, my Sky Box the other day. I haven't watched it, but I was tempted to watch it. I don't well, know why. I, I because mean, it, I don't, because it's, of its link with Disney Paris. You're going to get loads of fire coming at you in your living room, <laughs> which would be a shame. That could always be arranged. Because <laughs> um, my dad does um, lighting for bands and theatres, and I'm sure in a cupboard, in a well, in a metal box in a cupboard somewhere, there'll be a pyrotechnic. Uh, sparkle a cannon or flamethrower somewhere so i'm sure we could organize that certainly hope so uh going back to uh, <laughs> to luke's email um uh, he obviously agrees that having the the random drop sequences uh, imported from from the american parks as he says uh, they christened it with the tagline the tower is in control um that's you know it's something that would be very easy to implement into paris and well why not it's always nice to celebrate anniversaries as well, so if it's the 10th one coming up, if they don't do it, I'll be very unhappy. Which would be, oh, that would be 2017 as well, so that would be the park's 
there we go. The resort's 25th as well. It could link in. Well, it's a resort, yeah, rather than the park itself, because the park's not that old. Right, do you want to go on to Jack, our yep, next so email? We had an email from Jack Kendall as well. The theming of Tower of Terror has always been one of the best attractions in all the Disney parks, up there with Pirates of the Caribbean and Phantom Manor. However, what lets the Paris version down, in my opinion, is the inconsistency of location. After all, it's called the Hollywood Tower Hotel. So why is it that the Twilight Zone library sequence is performed in French as well as the rest of the ride narration? I get that Disneyland Paris has to cater for a lot of different nationalities and a diverse language catalogue, but the Twilight Zone TV series was originally American and it's meant to be set in America. I really feel that DLRP have tried really hard to please the French when most European visitors would understand English. This isn't just stereotypical ignorant English trying to force our language on everyone, but it is the most prominent language in the world in terms of first and preferred second languages. It could be argued that French uh, that the French want the authentic American style to this attraction as well. Uh, what's next renaming Main Street USA to Main Street Paris? Uh, it's like some of the songs in Disney Dreams. They're performed in French when most of the audience prefer to sing along in the native English version. Look at the Frozen sing-along. It works because it's in English. Uh, does it stop all the nationality singing along? No. With the recent controversy surrounding Disneyland Paris ticket pricing to a UK and German guest, I feel that Disneyland Paris could do with making itself a little bit more Disney and a little less appeasing to French culture. After all, it is a slice of Americana. Anyway, back to the theme of Tower of Terror. It's a top-notch and near replica of Tower of Terror from Disneyland in Disney's California Adventure. Keep up the amazing work of the podcast. I've listened to your podcast multiple times despite knowing what's going to be mentioned next. Just nice to see Disneyland Paris getting some well-deserved attention and love. He's probably listened to it more than we have. <laughs> Um, it does go on to talk about the language uh, quite a lot. And I can see what his point is and where he's coming from, but then you can say that a lot of other attractions do have the in French, and it's not really... It, it, that's the language of that place, and I can see why it's in French, and I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it needs to change, really. Yeah, um, I think when we were doing the podcast about Disney Dreams, uh, we decided that we actually preferred some of the uh, songs in yeah, Dreams yeah. to be in French. And actually, I mean, I don't speak a word of French, but I, the, the French language is just gorgeous. Uh, you know, I love hearing the spiel in Phantom Manor in French. I don't understand what's being said, but it just sounds really good. And equally with Tower of Terror, I don't get it, but it sounds really good. And perhaps because I don't understand a word of it, actually, it makes it a little bit more spooky. So... To be honest, I wouldn't put it in English. But of course, as we said earlier, you can speak to the cast members and uh, and get the uh, library scene yeah, at least yeah. done in English. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Again, if it was Room 101 and I had to get the French-speaking element of Disneyland Paris into Room 101, I don't think I would. I would leave it there. Sure, um, it, it would be Floor 13, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, put it into Floor 13. Okay, George Bailey is our last email for this podcast. Uh, I love this attraction, although I turn into a big baby when the lift opens up at the top and starts to go up and down. The whole story and imagery beforehand is great, and the cast members get involved, which adds to the experience. Short but sweet. And now to the final email, which is from at Explorers Club 92, and they've kindly added, feel free to follow them on Twitter, which is very nice. <laughs> Another um, advert there. Yeah, we could, our plugging this evening is just fantastic. Before, uh, you, so, before you start reading that, actually, with all the plugging we've done, I think everybody who's listening to this and anybody who's plugged needs to share our Twitter handle or like our Facebook page, get visiting our website. Sorry mm, about that. Yeah, <laughs> let's, do, let's get back to magical DLP, damn it. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, the email. Uh, I haven't seen another Tower of Terror than the one in Paris, but I really love it. Such a detailed and rich attraction. From the gardens in front of it to the fountain, with the light effects to the library and the boiler room, everything is just perfect. So what I really like about it is all the little things. The English voice, the host in the front of the library and the elevator doors is just awesome. The lights, sound effects, props everywhere are fantastic. I love the water coming in from the ceiling, the heating pipes in the boiler room. What should be done? Uh, a nighttime spectacular or even a laser light projection mapping show, uh, like the one for the opening of Tower of Terror, uh, is absolutely necessary. It's such a big and beautiful building, they have to do more with it. Uh, a platform on top would be really cool, maybe with a walk. Uh, and a restaurant with the glitz and glamour uh, of the, you know, the night in 1939 would be cool, with maybe lightning strikes, uh, sort of like in the Rainforest Cafe. Uh, the cons... Uh, I'm from Germany and I love it in English and I don't understand a word in French. Uh, it would be nice if the CBS would ask more often if people want to hear the English version. On my last visit, I've seen half of the building is falling apart and they need to fix that. How's that even possible? If the backside of every building would just fall off, then every street in a big city would get closed. Uh, thanks for the really great podcast. Very excited to hear the new one. Uh, you're doing a very good job. Best Disneyland Paris podcast. Please do it more often, more regular smiley face. <laughs> we will try. We will try. Like we say, we want to treat you mean to keep you keen. If we'd done it every single week, we'd have no attractions left and be finishing a year. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we're kind of stretching it out until they just add another little attraction or add yeah. another show I that mean, we can talk about. Evidently, we're planning this, aren't we, really? It's uh, it's all <laughs> it's all in the, in the game plan. Um, it's all in the game yeah, plan. I mean... That's a really interesting idea. Is there a platform on the top? We've not heard of that one before. That's... Well, pe- people pay quite a lot of money to walk on the Sydney uh, Opera, well, Sydney Harbour Bridge, isn't it? And um, the Millennium, yeah. the Millennium Dome, or whatever it's called these days, O2 yeah. Arena. People walk on the top of there. And that's quite high up. Absolutely. We, uh, I live quite near to a National Trust property where they were doing some work on the roof of this old building. They put up some scaffolding, and they decided to put a cafe on top of the scaffolding. And you know, everyone was going up there. It was the most popular thing there. Forget the old <laughs> building. I just want to go to the top of it. So, yeah, I, people love doing that. That's no, I'm sure a fun idea. I mean, the only thing would be that if you saw people up there, it might ruin the whole it's abandoned and derelict. Yeah, it's kind of spoiling the storyline, isn't it? The but theme I'm in the... definitely game for a, a, a one-off 1939 restaurant. That yeah, sounds fabulous. I'm not sure uh, how many voids or how much space they have in the, uh, the show building. But if there was space to put, put it behind in it, some get rid kind of that of... silly that silly walkway that we talked about. There you about. go. Extend it. Put a conservatory in. Demolish Armageddon and have a nice <laughs> restaurant. Well, extend it all that way out there. Yeah. I'm gonna get in trouble at some point for slagging off Armageddon. Especially when in a few episodes' time, I'm thinking about doing Armageddon. We'll do podcast. Armageddon. Yeah. We definitely need to do one at some point. I think so. Before they close it. Oh, it's never before it sets itself on fire. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the the, the uh, restaurant idea is really good. Um, I think more. I know we've got a rest. Um, what kind of Shea Remy now, and we've got other blockbuster cafe and stuff like that. But again, I think some more. Some, like, some another more nice, properly styled eateries, yeah, nice, like, nice style, like yeah. the one with Ratatouille. That would be really good. And of course, as uh, Luke was saying earlier, and as we were saying, to expand that Hollywood golden age of film theme. Why not have a restaurant and then expand that theming across the park? Well, across a little bit more of the park, at least. Yeah, because when you start thinking about having the theme and the 1939 theme, and it could be Hollywood, it could be that it's a glitz and glamour restaurant from Hollywood. There could be like I mean, an air. You could have cast members dressed up as famous stars or 
people who are supposed to be famous with paparazzi following around yeah, and going to your like, table. You know, Monroe and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, the, the other really great thing about the whole Hollywood thing is that you can have, you don't need to change the name of the Walt Disney Studios Park or anything. You don't need to rebrand it because fine, it might not be a working studio anymore, but everyone knows the link between Hollywood and the film industry. So it fits, you know, it's, it's an opportunity there that just needs to be taken. Unless, of course, I've got another plan for the area, which we'll, well find out when it, when it happens, we'll find out. <laughs> I did originally think we had no iTunes reviews in three or four months, but then looking again, we've actually had two of them. Uh, one, one from Spain and one from the UK. Um, this, the title of this five-star review was A Great Way of Discovering the Past, Present and Future of Disneyland Paris. There are not a lot of DLP podcasts out there, but this has to be one of the must-listen. So there's only two, and it's one of the must-listen, so I'll, I'll go with that. I'm happy. Andrew and Simon dedicate each episode to review one attraction from the resort, talking about its history, its story and its future. By listening to them, you can really tell how much they know and research about the subject of the episode. Plus, they make it really fun too. Oh, and you can make a drinking game out of it. Every time projection mapping is mentioned, you take a drink. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. Pablo at Spyglass Hill DLP. I'm, oh, I'm really into these oh, drinking games. Not that I'm. It's got us nailed like that, isn't it? That's. I mean, that would work so well. It's like when you when you watch It'd Harry Potter. Hammered. Every time you watch Harry Potter and he says a certain word you're supposed to drink, or if you're watching a Eurovision Song Contest and Graham Norton says a certain word, uh, but I've never. It's every time there's a useless act. Oh wait. <laughs> so yeah, but every time you mention projection mapping, projection mapping, projection mapping, that there's free shots already. <laughs> Obviously, what we don't do, we don't condone excessive drinking. We Not don't condone lying no. to your partners. No, no. But what we should do, we should do a show where every time we mention projection mapping, we drink ourselves. We can have an explicit <laughs> version of this podcast for a late night audience Oof. and um, see what happens at the end. I'm game for this. I'm sure I could get a bunch <laughs> of students involved in that as well. It's just There'll be loads of us. It'll be great. Just bottle tequila on the side of the desk while I'm recording. Every time uh, I we might need a few bottles, knowing how much we talk <laughs> about projection mapping. There he goes again. <clears throat> Whoops! Um, oh no, I just meant you know I've just made Pablo take another shot. <laughs> Review from the UK, Simon. Uh, so yeah, this one says five star, amazing podcast, really amazing, love it. Uh, Along with dedicated to DLP, uh, this is the best things in the world. Look forward to every single one of your podcasts. Uh, do a closed attraction special smiley face keep up the good work yeah we certainly could do a closed attraction special in fact actually that ties us in to our exiting theme of announcing what the next theme of the podcast is going to be i think yeah it does um, the next focus of our well the focus of our next episode of the magical dlp podcast will see us discussing big thunder mountain um so that links in very well doesn't it simon well it does indeed because in what is it, about a month's time, Big Thunder Mountain's going to close for a year, if not slightly longer than a year. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so we're going to cover it now. We're going to talk all about what what it's like in its current state uh, and then speculate on the future because it would be a shame to be talking about it while it is actually closed. Um, mind yeah, you, most people will probably be listening to it while it's closed, but it just means that we'll we'll get to do it again after refurbishment and we know what's actually happened. Yeah, but we've, thing. we've had some, some little bits uh, from the Experience Enhancement Plan uh, publication that 
Disney did, so we, we know what some of the changes are going to be. And we can look at what happened um, to the version in America as well, where they updated it already. So it could be that we're taking some elements from there. Uh, it could be that we're doing some, something completely different. Um, so yeah, but taking it, um, doing the podcast about Big Thunder Mountain now, like I say, before it closes, um, hopefully we get it out before it closes. Um, people <laughs> can use fine. it as a, a way of reminiscing to what the ride was, the attraction was like um, while it's closed. And like I say, once it's open, uh, in a year's time, we can revisit the attraction. Um, yes. Something I'd like to do with Space Mountain as well, uh, once they've done the second phase of the refurb. While we're adding to the list, actually, I think we're going to need to do the original Star Tours before the final original Star Tours closes in, I think it's early 2016. Yep. Uh, if you've actually got any opinion on what you would like us to cover on our podcast, uh, email us podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk, uh, tweet us at magicaldlp, or you can uh, Facebook us facebook.com forward slash magicaldlp. Yeah, we want your opinions on Big Thunder Mountain. What do you yeah. like about it? What don't you like about it? What would what you like you... to see in the refurbishment? Yeah, um, have you got any memories of from when the park first opened? Um, have you been on it when it's broken down many a time? It's been breaking down recently. Have you got any stories? Have you worked on it as a cast member? Uh, do you know somebody that's worked on the attraction as a cast member? Get in touch. Again, the email address is podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, have you got anything else to say, Simon, before we sign off for this mega long episode of the Magical DLP podcast? Yeah, I mean, well, we say mega long. I mean, we always manage to talk for two hours somehow, don't we? I don't know how we do it. Um, I, uh, I suppose, again, we need to apologise for taking so long to do this one. Uh, I need to apologise for condoning bad drinking behaviour as well. But, you know, what can you do? And I will look forward to uh, getting round, hopefully very soon, to uh, talk about Big Thunder Mountain. Good. We'll see you then. Have a good evening, even though you're probably listening to this in the morning on the way to work. But anyway, have a good, have a good day at work. Have a good day, whatever you're doing. Have a good night, whatever you're doing. Have a good Christmas if you're listening to this at Christmas, and have a good Happy Easter. Hanukkah and a good <laughs> Easter and merry summer. Enjoy your holiday. Have we covered all bases there? Congratulations on your DCSA results. Congratulations on your retirement. Congratulations on uh, what else is there? Your birthday, Happy birthday. anniversary. Um, oh, yeah, no, do. This, this is good. We're we're a very friendly podcast, aren't we? Goodbye. For every occasion. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you. See you. Bye bye. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound, a dimension of sight, a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone.